Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Who has the power to destroy your life? And if you think about that, do they want to destroy your life? We're going to talk about the FBI tonight. We're going to have a real frank heart-to-heart coming up next on I'm Right. Have you ever wondered who did all the killing in all those communist countries? I mean, you and I talk about communism all the time. As you know, I am the anti-communist, as you are. We talk about the body counts. And you know these body counts, 100 million in the 20th century. That's actually a light number, by the way. It's, it's higher than that. But there's a lot. There have been a lot of people who died at the hands of communists. But have you ever sat and thought about who actually did the killing? Well, let me spoil it for you. If we take out all the people who starved to death under that system, and there's a lot, it was the state police who did most of the killing. You see communists, 
They're big on force. They're big on violence. They don't believe in human life. It's an anti-human religion, as I've told you a million times. They just they don't they don't give a thought to loss of life. It's it's not part of it. If you're in the way, you die. But who actually is out there pulling the trigger? The state police. They all had them. Mao had them. Stalin, of course, had them. Pol Pot had them. The Stasi in East Germany, you've heard me talk about them before. They were the state police. There are actual people who pull those triggers. And almost universally, the people who pulled those triggers were the police arm of the state. The police arm of a one-party ruled communist state. Let's have a conversation tonight. Let's have a real frank heart-to-heart tonight about our state police. Because we do have state police. Now, you can love that or hate that, but we do. The Federal Bureau of Investigation is a federal police force. You know, in the beginning, they weren't even armed. It was just a bunch of lawyers and accountants. And then eventually, we started arming them. And then eventually, they started getting really armed. And then they started getting involved in virtually every aspect of everyone's lives. And now we have 35,000 FBI agents in this country. 35,000. That's how many people are employed by the FBI. And it's time for you and I to talk about the power they have. It's a law. What could the FBI, if they so desired, what could the FBI do to you? Well, let's just, for the sake of argument, unless your name's Randy Weaver, let's assume they're not going to show up and murder you or your family. Okay, let's, let's not go too far here. They're not the Stasi yet. But what could they do? What could they do to you? What could they do to me? Ah, we, we see Jesse... We don't like the way Jesse talks about us. How difficult would it be for the Federal Bureau of Investigation to ruin my life, to ruin your life? It would be nothing for them. It would be nothing for them. They could level some terrible, terrible, terrible accusation against you. They could easily make it believable, run to the media with it so they ran with it. Before long, that information will get in your boss's hands. You're fired. The boss can't be saddled with that kind of negative publicity. Maybe your wife starts to believe it because it'll be believable. Remember, she leaves you. Kids run out too. Everybody in your life leaves you hanging because they believe what you're a murderer, a pedophile, whatever. Of course, in the end, you can hope the courts will do you right and they'll let you go. But life's already ruined just like that. And they can do that without evidence to anybody, anyone. They have that power. Now, we can can talk about the things they are doing, but let's just acknowledge they do have that power. They have the power to ruin your life without hesitation. They, they, They do. Okay, so that's scary, but all right. I mean, it's the federal police arm, but it's not the Stasi, right? We're not dealing with the NKVD of the Soviets here. I'm sure they wouldn't. I mean, they're out there... They're out there after the bad guys. I mean, they might do that to the bad guys, but they're not going to do that to me, are they? They're not going to do that to you. What if they think you're the bad guys? Have you thought about that? Have you thought about where we are right now as a country? Have you thought about the mission statement of the FBI? Have you? Because you've seen, what have you seen? You've seen idiots like Christopher Wray sit in front of Congress And repeatedly, he said this more than once, say things like white nationalism, white supremacism is the largest domestic terrorist threat. 
And you and I hear him, we hear him say stuff like that. I've played, the, I've played the comments for you on the show before. And we yell and scream and say, that's ridiculous. But then we kind of laugh it off. But maybe we shouldn't just laugh it off or blow it off. Let's think about what that means. The director of the FBI sits in front of Congress and says things like that. Do you think it stops there? Or do you think he gets up from his chair, gets in his car, drives back to his office, the FBI director's office, and then issues orders to the Federal Bureau of Investigation to go hunt down those dangerous white nationalists who are taking down America? Do you think Christopher Wray sits down in his chair and thinks about taking down Antifa? Do you think he thinks about taking down Black Lives Matter? Both groups have killed more people in recent years than I can really list for you. Or do you think Christopher Wray sits down behind his desk and thinks about ways he can get you? I'm not trying to be over the top here. The FBI has so much power to destroy lives, to end lives. If they've become a partisan organization, if they've become the enforcement arm of the Democratic Party and their interest in life is taking down you and me, well, we've got a problem on our hands. Do you remember? You remember that whole plot to kidnap and assassinate Governor Ratchet of, of Michigan? Do you remember that? I, I know you remember it because it, it came up in the news and it was weird. It was really weird. There was apparently this group of dudes who... They were going to kidnap the governor and assassinate her, and that's really not good, right? We don't want anyone getting hurt at any time. And and of course, because it made Republicans look like a bunch of violent, volatile monsters who were out there to kill and rape and pillage, the news ran with it everywhere. It was headline news all over the place. You remember that, right? Well, BuzzFeed, left-wing BuzzFeed of all news sources broke this yesterday. They went digging into it. It turns out there were FBI informants involved in that plot. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. Whew, thank goodness those FBI informants were out there. Good thing they reported it before anything bad happened, which is what I thought initially as well. But you dig into this, as BuzzFeed did, and what you find out is the FBI informants weren't just there reporting to the FBI on what was happening they were deeply, deeply, deeply involved in the planning of it, the inception of the planning of it. They were involved in it every single step of the way, just trying to bring this home so you understand the Federal Bureau of Investigation themselves came up with a plot to arrest and kidnap the governor of Michigan and then, of course, busted the people who were planning to arrest or are planning to assassinate the governor of Michigan, and then acted like you on the right were a bunch of dangerous, violent boogeymen. That sounds really bad. That sounds like a gigantic frame job aimed at taking down the right. That's what that sounds like to me. Also, while we're on the subject here, you remember the 2000, you know, the January 6th, What are we going to call this? Where people wandered into the Capitol. You remember that, right? This dangerous coup. And you know all these people have been locked up for a long time. I'll get to more specifics on that in a minute. But you remember the pipe bombs? Somebody has pipe bombs. They put pipe bombs, allegedly, at the RNC and the DNC. Well, that's 
Sounds pretty serious, right? I mean, we're, we're chasing down guys who were wearing antler fur in, in the Capitol. Surely, surely somebody went down for that. I mean, D.C., remember, is one of the most surveilled cities in the world with all the cameras everywhere. You know, they still haven't arrested anybody for planting those pipe bombs. It's weird. It's weird. What else is going on at the FBI? I don't know. From 2014 to 2016, FBI official had numerous unauthorized contacts with members of the media. Senior FBI officials accepted tickets from members of the media. Of course, that official retired before being contacted by the OIG. What does that mean? What does that mean in actual English? It, it means the Federal Bureau of Investigation swapping stories, swapping favors with the media. What do you think they're doing when they contact the media? They're leaking things. They're planting these stories for the media to run with. The media, in return, is handing out tickets and God knows what else. Starting to get the picture on what we're dealing with here, it's really, really bad. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure they're not, not just going after people on the right. Oh, you're right. They're not only going after people on the right. They're actively protecting people on the left. This Hunter Biden stuff, it's a big deal. And no, I'm not talking about the fact he walks around with a crack pipe in his mouth or knocks up strippers. I don't care about that. Hunter Biden is still financially invested with the Communist Party of China, our arch, our arch nemesis. Hunter Biden is involved in some really, really, really ugly things if you're going to believe your own eyes. Hunter Biden hasn't gone down. Hunter Biden bought a weapon illegally. You understand I just bought a weapon this weekend and sitting right behind the counter was a gigantic sign saying if you lie on this application, 10 years, 10 years in prison. How many years has Hunter Biden done in prison? What, what are they doing? What aren't they doing? How concerned would, should we be? I mean, you can... Go to the FBI's Twitter page right now. You'll see plenty of wanted posters out there about those oh, scary insurrectionists from January 6th. They almost took down our government. I don't see anything on there. I went looking today about Black Lives Matter murderers, Antifa murderers. This is starting to look like a really, really, really one-sided organization. This is starting to look like an organization that is the enforcement arm of the Democratic Party. And what do we do if that's true? Because you understand how bad that is, right? You understand what that means? What do we do if the federal law enforcement arm works for the other side? Because let's rewind to what I was talking about at the very beginning. You know the power they have without a second thought. They can ruin your life, possibly end your life without a second thought. The question we have to ask ourselves now is, do they want to? All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, you want to keep getting uncomfortable? We're going to talk about misinformation coming from the White House. It's all getting awfully creepy, awfully fast out there. But first, speaking of creepy... These cyber criminals, it weirds me out. It weirds me out that my home title is even online, but it is. So is yours. 
And these guys, they spend all day sitting on these computers looking for ways to hack and steal and destroy. And they will take your home title and they will wreck you. Listen to this guy. Nobody thinks that I can take their house and borrow against the house. Oh, no, I have title insurance for that. No, it's, it's in my name. Or he would have to get some special document. They would call me. You know, nobody's calling you. After I've stolen the title, borrowed against it, or sold the property, or done whatever I've done with it, it's 60 to 90 days to even figure out that, that they're the victim of this crime. You know, by that point, you start getting foreclosure notices, and you realize you've got four mortgages on your house. Not only that, you don't even own your home anymore. It's not even in your name. Sound like fun? Go get Home Title Lock today. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Don't get evicted. Don't get a bunch of mortgages on your home. It'll, it'll take tens of thousands of dollars with a lawyer to get that unwrapped. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO. You get it 30 days for free. We'll be back. Vaccine, vaccine, COVID, vaccine, COVID, vaccine. Is that all we, re all, we, all we read about anymore? All we see on TV anymore? Is it creeping you out yet? If it's not, it should. And let me be real clear on this vaccine nonsense once again. Here's where I stand on it. I don't care if you get the vaccine. I don't care. Go get it. Don't go get it. It doesn't matter to me. Your business, your health is your business. If you are really worried about coronavirus and you trust the vaccine, go out and get the vaccine. Go. I have no judgment here at all. I have several of my friends and family members who have gotten it. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it because I'm some anti-vaccine person. I'm not getting it because I have eyes that can actually read and I have a year and a half of data showing me a now 40-year-old male who doesn't have any pre-existing conditions and I'm not obese. I'm not in danger from coronavirus. My kids, they're 10 and 12, healthy boys. They're not in danger from coronavirus. I don't know how we got to a place in society where it's now accepted that you get vaccinated for something that doesn't pose a serious risk for you. When did this happen? When did, was this yesterday? Is this when pharmaceutical companies decided they could make a fortune on this thing? Is it when Democrats thought they could campaign for it? When did this happen? I mean, people act as if you're murdering someone if you don't go get the vaccine. And it's so bad. They're so committed to this vaccine cult that... Here's Kate Bedingfield. Listen to what she has to say about it. Well, we're reviewing that, and certainly they should be held accountable. And I think you've heard the president speak very aggressively about this. He understands this is an important piece of the ecosystem. But it's also the other thing the president has pointed out and spoke to when he was asked about this yesterday is it's, it is also the responsibility of the people creating the content. And again, I would go back to, you know, there are conservative news outlets who are creating irresponsible content that's sharing misinformation about the, vi about the virus that's getting shared on these platforms misinformation that sounds like the ministry of truth so okay all right now that's uh, look i know what you're thinking well jesse we know commies are gonna commie okay so the left went ape they, they're, they're nuts we know that okay no big deal well my issue is not just the left rarely is my issue the left my issue is the gigantic weenies we have on the right the right Pundits and politicians, names you know, are now in this ultimate go-get-vaccinated push. 
get vaccinated if you want to get vaccinated or don't. But when did Mitch McConnell get on, on board with all this? This is not complicated. 97% of the people who are in the hospital now for COVID are unvaccinated. So if there's anybody out there willing to listen, get vaccinated. It is not at all unclear that the way to avoid getting back in the hospital is to get vaccinated. I want to encourage everybody to do that and to ignore all of these other voices that are giving demonstrably bad advice. Mm, bad advice. Everyone should get it, right? Oh, what about the people who aren't at risk for it? Oh, everybody. Wait, well, when do we when do we start that? And this is this has been my frustration. If you're gonna have to forgive me as I take a little detour here. It's not just about COVID or vaccine or anything else. This is my frustration. We understand, you and I, we understand the stakes of this game, right? That's why we do politics. We understand the stakes are high. Look, I can go do sports all day long. Who cares? We do politics because it matters. It is more important than everything else. And when you're dealing with commie scum like we are, we're talking about life and death. That's how important all this stuff is. Okay, who's defending us, though? That's my problem. If we're dealing with the left, okay, they suck. All right, but who's defending us? The people on the right, the pundits and politicians, they're gutless. They are. And I don't take a lot of pleasure in that. I, I don't. The last year and a half has been brutally revealing to me that we just lack guts in our leadership. We lack a spine. Our guys can't make themselves do it. And I don't know. Look, you know, to be honest, if we could have just an honest moment, just you and I talking here, maybe that's my fault. Maybe it's my fault for having too high of expectations for our pundits and politicians on the right. The truth is, let's be frank about this. Most of the people who get into right-wing punditry, writing or TV or radio, and the same people who run for office, what are these people most of the time? Are they a bunch of meat-eating warriors? They're dorks. You know them, right? Most of these people are nerds. So maybe the problem is me. Maybe the problem is I'm looking at a bunch of dorks and nerds and I'm wanting them to be warriors. I'm wanting them to lead you and I and fight against the commie scum. But the truth is, they're still dorks and nerds just because they have a TV show or write articles or just because they're senators or congressmen, they didn't stop being dorks and nerds. That's why they get pushed around all the time. That's why they never fight for us at all. They never fight for us at all. Oh, I mean, right up to the point where it's too late for them to do any actual good about it. Time after time after time after time, the right either won't stand up against the left's narrative or they flat out carry the left's narrative for them. I can't count how many times the right has carried the left's narrative for them. Coronavirus hits our shores. Oh, we're all going to die, said the left, said the media. Millions. 90% of my friends in the media business and in politics, 90% of my friends, oh, go home, hide, put a mask on, drown yourself in hand sanitizer. George Floyd dies. Not just the left. Of course, the left gets out there. All oh, these cops are racist monsters hunting down black men for sport. Of course, I roll my eyes, and so do you, because that's absurd. There's no numbers that play that out at all. 90% of my friends 
in punditry and in politics. So you know what? You're right. This is these cops have been racist for too long. Where's Tim Scott? Someone get Tim Scott. We need federal police reform to get these cops under control. Of course, now, now the Republicans are all law and order. Now that over half the country already believes the cops are monsters, these police agencies have been defunded, and people are dying in droves, now we have Republicans stepping up saying, well, I mean, actually, we need to be tough on crime. Oh, gee, thanks, fellas. That does us a lot of good now. And the still with the vaccine stuff. What happened to the party of freedom? Were they ever the party of freedom? Or is that just something we dream about? What happened to the party of personal responsibility, individuality, freedom? If you want to take the vaccine, go get the vaccine. If you don't, don't. Don't feel any pressure from any of these losers and weenies and scumbags to go take something you don't want to take, to go put something in your body you don't want to put in your body. Don't you dare feel that pressure. Not because Mitch McConnell or whatever TV host or radio host or, or writer tells you, these, these idiots don't, know, don't have your best interests at heart. And when did we become the left's hive mind for them? It's pathetic. It's pathetic. I, if I seem fired up, it's because I am. It's because I understand we are in dire, dire straits here. The left has taken over every single cultural institution. We are on our backs right now. We are on our heels right now. We are losing. I don't mean to be down and out, but we are. We're getting our teeth kicked in. And these are the people who are supposed to be fighting for us? Whew. We got a long way to go. All right. I do have good news, though. You know, you can get me on demand anytime you want. If you want to hear me scream like that. I usually don't yell like that, but I did. The first TV, we have an app. We have an app. You can watch the first live. You can watch our shows on demand. If you just want to see, if you just want to walk around all day long watching me on I'm Right, which of course you should want that, you can. Go get the first TV app from the App Store. All right. We'll be back. The demographics of America are not on the side of the Republican Party. The new voters in this country are moving away from them. Kind of saying the quiet part out loud there, aren't you, Dick? Joining me now is Laura Reese. She is the Senior Research Fellow for Homeland Security at the Heritage Foundation. Laura, what's that supposed to mean? Well, I think it reveals uh, the Democrats' playbook in terms of opening the border and welcoming in more illegal immigrants. Uh, they view this as a political win down the road in the form of more votes for them. Laura, how would it be more votes for them? Are these people allowed to vote right when they walk across the border? How, how, does, how does illegal immigration translate into more votes for Democrats? Well, they're not allowed to. You have to be a U.S. citizen to vote. Uh, but we have seen plenty of cases of election fraud and voter fraud. So even green card holders, lawful permanent residents, are not supposed to vote. And yet some do. And yet some do. Okay, so how? How do they? Well, I mean, as, as we've seen particularly in this last election of, of 2020, uh, in terms of mail-in ballots, um, no voter ID. There's all sorts of ways to defraud the, the voter system and the election system. And so when the, the Democrats have intentionally removed a lot of safeguards to prevent election fraud, 
uh, it's, unfortunately, it's quite easy for non-citizens to vote, and they, they do do so. We have some COVID numbers here. This is from Fox News. COVID cases among migrants in the Rio Grande Valley sector surge 900% as border numbers continue to rise. Laura, I thought the Biden administration was gravely concerned about coronavirus. Yes, the, the Biden administration has been completely inconsistent when it comes to COVID. Uh, inside the U.S., they continue to demand that people wear masks and are encouraging door-to-door uh, -door vaccine visits to your home. And yet they have been cavalier with letting illegal immigrants cross the border, uh, whether they have COVID or not. And these, this jump in uh, positive cases was imminently predictable. And it has caused the Biden administration to put the brakes on because they were ready to lift what's called Title 42 authority, which is from the CDC. And it tells Customs and Border Protection agents, you can turn people back uh, for public uh, health safety. And the uh, administration has been using that with, in particular for single adults. Uh, but the left has really viewed that as an obstacle to getting even more illegal aliens into the country. And so the administration was about to lift Title 42, but now with this jump in cases, they've had to slow that down. Laura, how bad is it right now at the border? Uh, lay it out for us exactly how bad it is. Well, the Customs and Border Protection, they're completely overwhelmed. They're doing the best that they can, but the direction from the top is to let these people in, and they are. And American taxpayer money is being sent to spent to transport these illegal aliens all over the country. Uh, the June numbers, which finally just came out on Friday, are even worse than they've been. 189,000 illegal immigrants encountered uh, in the month of June, bringing the year total to over 1.1 million. And the most egregious subset of this is the unaccompanied alien children, which was over 15,000 in June for a total of over 95,000 in the year. And the left has been building an illegal immigration system on the backs of children. They are encouraging children to come in unaccompanied. Secretary Mayorkas says it repeatedly that if unaccompanied children come to our border, they will not be turned away. It's incentivizing parents to send more children into the arms of, of traffickers and smugglers who have no regard for life. And it's a very dangerous journey. Then in a few years, they will say, we need to give those aliens who came in as children green cards. And so from start to finish, it's a very perverse system and the left really needs to be called out for it. Laura, I, I mean, I'm trying not to be over the top here, but. This, frankly, sounds impeachable. This sounds like you're blatantly violating the safety and security of the United States of America. How am I supposed to look at this any other way? Intentionally opening the border, inviting people in, allowing them to pour in? This is impeachable. It is completely uh, picking and choosing which laws to enforce and which laws to ignore. And this administration doesn't like our immigration laws, and they are deliberately choosing not to enforce them. And a president swears an oath to protect American citizens. That's job number one. And this president is not doing so. He continues to put Americans last and uh, putting illegal aliens first. And so American citizens need to speak up regu regularly and loudly to express their opposition to this. All right, Laura, you wrote a, a piece about a path to citizenship. Should we, should we do a path to citizenship? What that means is amnesty. It's, it's giving green cards to people who are here illegally. 
And no, Congress should not pass an amnesty because it just encourages more illegal immigration. We are literally seeing it play out every day at the border right now as members of Congress and the president um, talk about passing amnesty. And so it's bad policy. It just continues more illegal immigration. And then we never get out of this cycle. And I guarantee you the 95,000 unaccompanied alien children who have come in just this year, in a few years, the left are going to say, we, we need to amnesty them too. It never stops. Laura, what's DACA for people who forgot? So it stands for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And this was a program that President Obama created out of thin air um, by Secretary of Homeland Security Napolitano signing a memo. And they did that because Congress has been unable to pass an amnesty bill through Congress. They can't get 60 votes in the Senate. Um, and that's a good thing. And so President Obama said, fine, we're just going to do it ourselves, completely ignoring separation of powers in the Constitution, and uh, created a program where people who came in by the age of 16 could stay here in the U.S. and work. Um, on last week, a federal judge in Texas ruled that the DACA program was illegal. And uh, so new applicants for the relief um, cannot have their cases adjudicated, and this is going to continue in the court system. Laura Reese, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, hear me out. I don't expect you, if you're an American, I understand we have listeners in several, or viewers in several countries around the world, but if you're an American, I don't expect you to occupy lots of your time thinking about Canada. You should, though. What happens with our neighbors, what happens with nations that border your nation is always important. What, why are the churches burning? What is with this tyrannical COVID enforcement going on up there? We're going to talk to somebody next about exactly what's happening in Canada and why it's happening. Hang on. That is a church being set on fire in Canada. Apparently, it's not the only one. Joining me now to talk about that and everything else going on with our friends up north, Andrew Chapados. He is the host of Andrew Says on Rebel News. Andrew, okay, all we know is we get a few headlines down here. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's a church on fire every other day in Canada. Uh, what, is this just bad fire prevention? What is happening? Well, it's hard to determine what exactly is happening. Um, there isn't many investigations going on in anything. Now, we've sent reporters out in British Columbia. we sent reporters out in Alberta. Now, a couple people have... Uh, one person videotaped themselves doing it. Another person was caught on surveillance camera doing it. But there's no grand investigation by the federal government. The prime minister hasn't really said anything about it. He said that he doesn't agree with what's going on. Nothing specific. We can't get any grand uh, investigations, like I said, going on to it, which you can imagine 
imagine would happen if other places of worship were being attacked. But it's hard to pin down exactly who's doing what or why they're doing it because we don't get any questioning from the media of the politicians on this topic, and we don't get any investigations, whether federal, provincial, or municipal. And and the big problem with this that I see is a lot of the stuff, which is supposedly in reaction to um, graves found for you know native children from 70 years ago, is that a lot of these churches that are being set ablaze are servicing the the native community that surrounds them. So there are Catholic people in these native reserves and native communities that go to these churches, but that doesn't seem to matter to whoever is uh, committing these crimes. Okay, so the, the numbers are there are at least 45, I mean, we're not even talking five here, at least 45 churches have burned. The, the, the prevailing theory I continue to get is, like you said, they found some buried children. There's actually an argument whether or not these were just simply cemeteries or whether mm -hmm. they were out there executing children. They found buried children, and now native terrorist groups could be doing this? Is that it? I mean, that's one possibility. A lot of people also suggest that it's, you know, the Antifa types acting on behalf of what they think that natives would want to do. So I would think that it has to be um, one of those two types of groups. The people that we saw on camera, I'm not going to make a, an assumption of what their ethnical background is, but it looks like one of them is just a woman going, walking by and setting the front of a, of a church on fire. The other people videotaped themselves setting it on fire, and they were seemed very happy and jubilant about this. It doesn't seem to me like there's a bunch of... Uh, secret gangs going around it's probably just uh it's one or the other doing this in the cover of night but there also has been daytime fires as well so it's really hard to tell like i said uh when the government doesn't seem to be taking it seriously do we have some idea of why the government wouldn't be taking it seriously as you pointed out if these were other houses of worship i guarantee there would be something going on why wouldn't the government care well, it's easy for them to, you know, try to push this under the rug when the media doesn't ask them any critical questions. Um, one of our reporters, Drea Humphrey, out in British Columbia, tried to ask the Prime Minister a question about it, and she was literally picked up and rotated around out of the area um, by his uh, security. So they don't ever have to field any questions where we can get answers from them about why they don't take this very seriously. But everybody's thinking up here that a federal election is going to be called soon, so they probably want to sweep any problems like this under the rug because the major party here runs a very you know left-of-center agenda. Uh, they're influenced by further left part parties, the New Democratic Party and the Green Party, even though they don't completely agree with them. And the Conservative Party up here is not that challenging of any of these topics either. They want to sort of, you know, sit on the fence a little bit, hope that people don't remember what their positions are and just uh, try to steal votes that way for, of stragglers from the other parties. So the best guess I can give you as to why the federal government doesn't seem to care about it is because it would hurt the re-election chances for, you know, Christians to be under attack in this country. Okay, what kind of conservative party do you have up there? Because I got to tell you, from what you just said, they just sound remarkably like our weenie Republican Party here in America. 
Yeah, I've, all the Americans I've talked about on this subject, or talked to, sorry, on this subject, it's sort of the same boat um, in both of the countries, whereas we expected a lot to be done over the past year. We expected people to stand up for, you know, our civil rights and our charter of rights and freedoms, which is clearly not as strong as the Constitution. But uh, we haven't seen that. At least seven of the provinces are led by conservative parties, but, you know, myself in Ontario with a, with a conservative leader, we just opened gyms last Friday, so this is just the, the second time I've been able to hit a gym in the last year and a half. Um, they've been silent on lockdowns, they've been silent on the border, some of them calling for stricter border controls with the United States. Overall, they've just sort of, you know, hoped that uh, any actions that the federal government takes will lead people to lead, leaving their party and voting for them. They haven't been strong on any other topics. They weren't strong on the, the censorship of Donald Trump. Now, they have come out on the censorship bill that's come out in Canada, but it's a losing battle. It's just something for them to, you know, easily pick from the tree of topics because they don't have the power, they don't have the seats to stop that even if they wanted to. So they can't seem to pick other low-hanging fruits like being anti-lockdown or pro-freedom or pro-freedom of speech in the most part. Um, we have some conservative members of parliament here that are saying that the party is ripe with white male maleness, whiteness, all that sort of stuff, saying that they're victimized. It's not a strong party and there's a lot of offshoots of other people leaving the party, you know, forming other groups. There's not a whole lot of unity in the conservative right here in Canada at all at the moment. Andrew, Canada <laughs> has actually shocked me. I mean, I've, I've been there a thousand times. We used to go fishing up there, barreling up there. We'd go chase women around, drink your great Canadian beer. I never viewed it as a hardcore left-wing place. I got along great with everybody up there. Is that just what it is now? And when did that happen? Well, if you look back to the last election of how things sort of went, it's uh, Justin Trudeau's party won a lot by the French in Quebec, my people, sadly, uh, voting for their own interests, sort of likened to how Scotland votes for the Scottish party, Quebec votes for the Quebec party. Then you've got the retirees on the East Coast that think the Liberal party, Justin Trudeau party, is, is going to stand up for the same values as they did, you know, 30, 40 years ago. They heavily voted in favor of him. Then you've got the West Coast, which is British Columbia, which is more like your Washington states or your Oregon states that are pretty far leftist out there, and they're voting for for a party that, you know, most of the country isn't going to vote for in the NDP. So what you have left over is Justin Trudeau winning by not too tiny of a margin, but a small margin over a conservative party that collects their votes from Albertans and the West and the non-city centers of Ontario. Most of the cities in Canada are very, very liberal-leaning. Uh, they would probably identify as Democrats without realizing that they're a little bit more left than the Democrats. Uh, there isn't really a strong party here representing leftists, uh, as you would suggest for, you know, the squad in the United States or what they're leaning towards there. But uh, Justin Trudeau seems to edge out a victory every time. Um, and people are predicting that he's going to edge out a victory again here because the the momentum is just not in favor of any party that's going up against him. So I think people are just, you know, gonna gonna do the same thing they did last time. All right, and coronavirus. Canada seems like it's been really, really harsh on coronavirus. I've interviewed the pastor who ended up getting handcuffed and carried like a sack of potatoes on the highway for <laughs> yeah. it. Is it still really bad up there? 
I mean, the numbers were never really bad. If you look at the numbers, and I'm sure this is bannable on several platforms, but if you look at the numbers last year compared to this year, day to day in uh, June, July, they're pretty much the same, despite my province, Ontario, having one of the highest vaccination rates um, in the Western world. I mean, I checked today, it's 70% for first dose, and I believe just about 50% for second dose, which was our marker, 70% was the marker for reopening, which is why we bless our leadership for letting us open two weeks earlier than they said. We should be, you know, sarcastically praising them, of course. But it, the numbers were never that bad here. Um, a lot of the deceased, unfortunately, were in old age homes where in places like Quebec, they gave them morphine instead of treating them. That's a big story that's coming out in the last month or so. And um, they also did this thing in Ontario where they rotated the personal support workers um, through the nursing homes as they normally would. But in this situation, it obviously isn't a good idea, but they were rotating workers throughout the different retirement homes, the long-term care homes, and obviously that spread infection amongst the elderly. So a little bit of Cuomo magic going on there. But uh, the number is at the very least 82% from some reports. Other reports, over 90% of the deceased are from long-term care homes. But yet we've been locked down longer than I think anyone in the Western world, unless you want to count Australia, who just entered a new uh, series of sweeping lockdowns. But, you know, it's never been that much of a risk here. They've never produced data that suggested that anyone out, outdoor is getting affected. They did produce data that said only around 1% of retail uh cases were coming from retail and then another one percent from restaurants so they've never actually had to prove or have proved any high rate of transmission in any of the places that they've locked down it's just been you know our doctors are are very truthful and they're telling us that they must lock down andrew thank you so much my man take care up there all right thanks a lot thanks for having me have a good day all right that was a lot of heaviness you know what we need we need a feel-good video with beer and dogs. We'll be back. That is a church being set on fire in Canada. Apparently, it's not the only one. Joining me now to talk about that and everything else going on with our friends up north, Andrew Chapados. He is the host of Andrew Says on Rebel News. Andrew, okay, all we know is we get a few headlines down here. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's a church on fire every other day in Canada. Uh, what, is this just bad fire prevention? What is happening? Well, it's hard to determine what exactly is happening. Um, there isn't many investigations going on in anything. Now, we've sent reporters out in British Columbia. We sent reporters out in Alberta. Now, a couple people have... Vi uh, one person videotaped themselves doing it. Another person was caught on surveillance camera doing it. But there's no grand investigation by the federal government. The prime minister hasn't really said anything about it. He said that he doesn't agree with what's going on. Nothing specific. We can't get any grand uh, investigations, like I said, going on to it, which you can imagine. 
imagine would happen if other places of worship were being attacked. But it's hard to pin down exactly who's doing what or why they're doing it because we don't get any questioning from the media of the politicians on this topic and we don't get any investigations whether federal, provincial, or municipal. And and the big problem with this that I see is a lot of the stuff which is supposedly in reaction to um, graves found for you know native children from 70 years ago is that a lot of these churches that are being set ablaze are servicing the the native community that surrounds them so there are catholic people in these native reserves and native communities that go to these churches but that doesn't seem to matter to whoever is uh committing these crimes okay so the the numbers are there are at least 45 i mean we're not even talking five here at least 45 churches have burned the, the, the prevailing theory I continue to get is, like you said, they found some buried children. There's actually an argument whether or not these were just simply cemeteries or whether mm -hmm. they were out there executing children. They found buried children, and now native terrorist groups could be doing this? Is that it? I mean, that's one possibility. A lot of people also suggest that it's, you know, the Antifa types acting on behalf of what they think that natives would want to do. So I would think that it has to be um, one of those two types of groups. The people that we saw on camera, I'm not going to make a, an assumption of what their ethnical background is, but it looks like one of them is just a woman going, walking by and setting the front of a, of a church on fire. The other people videotaped themselves setting it on fire, and they were seemed very happy and jubilant about this. It doesn't seem to me like there's a bunch of... Uh, secret gangs going around it's probably just uh it's one or the other doing this in the cover of night but there also has been daytime fires as well so it's really hard to tell like i said uh when the government doesn't seem to be taking it seriously do we have some idea of why the government wouldn't be taking it seriously as you pointed out if these were other houses of worship i guarantee there would be something going on why wouldn't the government care well, it's easy for them to, you know, try to push this under the rug when the media doesn't ask them any critical questions. Um, one of our reporters, Drea Humphrey in British Columbia, tried to ask the Prime Minister a question about it, and she was literally picked up and rotated around out of the area um, by his uh, security. So they don't ever have to field any questions where we can get answers from them about why they don't take this very seriously. But everybody's thinking up here that a federal election is going to be called soon, so they probably want to sweep any problems like this under the rug because the major party here runs a very you know left-of-center agenda. Uh, they're influenced by further left part parties, the New Democratic Party and the Green Party, even though they don't completely agree with them. And the Conservative Party up here is not that challenging of any of these topics either. They want to sort of, you know, sit on the fence a little bit, hope that people don't remember what their positions are and just uh, try to steal votes that way for, of stragglers from the other parties. So the best guess I can give you as to why the federal government doesn't seem to care about it is because it would hurt the re-election chances for, you know, Christians to be under attack in this country. Okay, what kind of conservative party do you have up there? Because I got to tell you, from what you just said, they just sound remarkably like our weenie Republican Party here in America. 
Yeah, I've, all the Americans I've talked about on this subject, or talked to, sorry, on this subject, it's sort of the same boat um, in both of the countries, whereas we expected a lot to be done over the past year. We expected people to stand up for, you know, our civil rights and our charter of rights and freedoms, which is clearly not as strong as the Constitution. But uh, we haven't seen that. At least seven of the provinces are led by conservative parties, but, you know, myself in Ontario with a, with a conservative leader, we just opened gyms last Friday. So this is just the, the second time I've been able to hit a gym in the last year and a half. Um, they've been silent on lockdowns. They've been silent on the border. Some of them calling for stricter border controls with the United States. Overall, they've just sort of, you know, hoped that uh, any actions that the federal government takes will lead people to lead, leaving their party and voting for them. They haven't been strong on any other topics. They weren't strong on the, the censorship of Donald Trump. Now, they have come out on the censorship bill that's come out in Canada, but it's a losing battle. It's just something for them to, you know, easily pick from the tree of topics because they don't have the power, they don't have the seats to stop that, even if they wanted to. So they can't seem to pick other low-hanging fruits, like being anti-lockdown or pro-freedom or pro-freedom of speech in the most part. Um, we have some conservative members of parliament here that are saying that the party is ripe with white male maleness, whiteness, all that sort of stuff, saying that they're victimized. It's not a strong party, and there's a lot of offshoots of other people leaving the party, you know, forming other groups. There's not a whole lot of unity in the conservative right here in Canada at all at the moment. Andrew, Canada <laughs> has actually shocked me. I mean, I've, I've been there a thousand times. We used to go fishing up there, bear up there. We'd go chase women around, drink your great Canadian beer. I never viewed it as a hardcore left-wing place. I got along great with everybody up there. Is that just what it is now? And when did that happen? Well, if you look back to the last election of how things sort of went, it's uh, Justin Trudeau's party won a lot by the French in Quebec, my people, sadly, uh, voting for their own interests, sort of likened to how Scotland votes for the Scottish party, Quebec votes for the Quebec party. Then you've got the retirees on the East Coast that think the Liberal party, Justin Trudeau party, is, is going to stand up for the same values as they did, you know, 30, 40 years ago. They heavily voted in favor of him. Then you've got the West Coast, which is British Columbia, which is more like your Washington states or your Oregon states that are pretty far leftist out there, and they're voting for a party that, you know, most of the country isn't going to vote for in the NDP. So what you have left over is Justin Trudeau winning by not too tiny of a margin, but a small margin over a conservative party that collects their votes from Albertans and the West and the non-city centers of Ontario. Most of the cities in Canada are very, very liberal-leaning. Uh, they would probably identify as Democrats without realizing that they're a little bit more left than the Democrats. Uh, there isn't really a strong party here representing leftists, uh, as you would suggest for, you know, the squad in the United States or what they're leaning towards there. But uh, Justin Trudeau seems to edge out a victory every time. Um, and people are predicting that he's going to edge out a victory again here because the the momentum is just not in favor of any party that's going up against him. So I think people are just, you know, going to do the same thing they did last time. Uh, and coronavirus. Canada seems like it's been really, really harsh on coronavirus. I've interviewed the pastor who ended up getting handcuffed and carried like a sack of potatoes on the highway for <laughs> yeah. it. Is it still really bad up there? 
I mean, the numbers were never really bad. If you look at the numbers, and I'm sure this is bannable on several platforms, but if you look at the numbers last year compared to this year, day to day in uh, June, July, they're pretty much the same, despite my province, Ontario, having one of the highest vaccination rates um, in the Western world. I mean, I checked today, it's 70% for first dose, and I believe just about 50% for second dose, which was our marker, 70% was the marker for reopening, which is why we bless our leadership for letting us open two weeks earlier than they said. We should be, you know, sarcastically praising them, of course. But it, the numbers were never that bad here. Um, a lot of the deceased, unfortunately, were in old age homes where in places like Quebec, they gave them morphine instead of treating them. That's a big story that's coming out in the last month or so. And um, they also did this thing in Ontario where they rotated the personal support workers um, through the nursing homes as they normally would. But in this situation, it obviously isn't a good idea, but they were rotating workers throughout the different retirement homes, the long-term care homes, and obviously that spread infection amongst the elderly. So a little bit of Cuomo magic going on there. But uh, the number is at the very least 82% from some reports. Other reports, over 90% of the deceased are from long-term care homes. But yet we've been locked down longer than I think anyone in the Western world, unless you want to count Australia, who just entered a new uh, series of sweeping lockdowns. But, you know, it's never been that much of a risk here they've never produced data that suggested that anyone out, outdoor is getting affected they did produce data that said only around one percent of retail uh cases were coming from retail and then another one percent from restaurants so they've never actually had to prove or have proved any high rate of transmission in any of the places that they've locked down it's just been you know our doctors are are very truthful and they're telling us that they must lock down Andrew, thank you so much, my man. Take care up there. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. All right. That was a lot of heaviness. You know what we need? We need a feel-good video with beer and dogs. We'll be back. All right. That's enough of that yuckiness. I think it's time to lighten the mood, and boy, you talk about dog training, there's dog training, and then there's this. Destination unknown, I've for some gas. Officially placed the poster, reveals a smile from the past. Elephants and acrobats, lions, snakes, monkeys. Village be righteous, just the penis funky. How about that? Oh boy, can you shut that door? <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.